Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Sleepy. I'm sore. <laughs> I'm sweet. Now, are you coming back to work Monday? Yes. Well, I'm excited. I'm not impressed. I, I don't doubt it. Because now, well, we had nice weather for a couple days. And then Mother Nature was like, psych, and took that shit right back. And it's supposed to be in the 70s tomorrow. We had 85 on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Sunday started nice. Thank and gosh. then that's when she was like, no, no, no. These people are too happy. So we're going to. We're going to take mm -hmm. it down a notch. And then Monday, she's like, really fuck these people because we had snow. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, nothing stuck. But... Oh, no. The ground had been too warm. Yeah. So but Mother Nature is off her meds. Yeah, she's off her meds. Very disrespectful. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I got a little story. Okay, first of all, I'm going to say this because I know last week i talked about doing a haunted location well mm -hmm. i started researching said haunted location and thought you know what this has way too much of a true crime aspect to go with it right. so i'm not doing the haunted location this week um next episode i'm going to be doing the true crime and paranormal aspect of it um, so I'm sorry if you guys your hopes up for a lot of location. It's <laughs> okay. But if you want a haunted location, just come to my house. No, thanks. Okay. Cause I had some shit this weekend. It was fun. And I didn't want to tell you. What's that? Apparently I eat my hair. <laughs> anyway, I shed like a dog, so it's not uncommon. All right, so my husband was gone. Roy was gone this weekend. Yeah. To... Yeah. Um, and my house is, and my son works third shift. My house is creepy. I do not like to be alone. Fair. So I say, let me have the boys. And then I'm thinking, okay, I really should rethink Jackson because he's going to want, going to want to stress himself you know his paranormal stuff thankfully he did not yeah he he brought one of his things but never used it okay um i had him pretty busy with some crafts shit like that so That's anyway fair. jackson he knocks out on the couch he is out like a light so it's one it's like one in the morning i tell bentley go lay down i'm going to bed you're going to bed. So I'm in my room and I got like one of those noise machines. I have it on low just so I can hear the boys if I need to. My door's right. open. I'm in that first phase of sleep and I hear something. Not a bang, not a thud, like an in-between kind of thing. Like a, like a light knock type thing? Something like that. A little heavier than a light knock. So anyway... And then I hear Bentley go, what the hell? Philly's 11. So I fly out of bed. Like, what? What? I'm thinking, what the hell? Right. Well, when the kids are over, I have, like, old spare cell phones that they can play with. Like, well, theirs is charging. Um, they have games on them. Because they're, Okay. So anyway, one of those was on the middle of my kitchen table. And I have one of like the, the long dining tables with a, ben a bench seat. Because mm -hmm. um, when everyone's over, I have a fairly big family. So anyway, and you've been in my house. So you know where my table is for, mm -hmm. to my couch. There's like a good three to five feet between the table and couch. I'm not a measuring person, so... And, you know, us women don't know measurements because we're lied to about everything. Anyway, um, the phone that was at the middle of the table mm -hmm. was now just like that far away from the couch on the floor. Fun. Yeah. And Jackson, like both boys, 
again, you've seen my house. My bedroom is right off the living room. Right. And I flew out of bed. There was no way anyone was up and got back on that couch before I got out there and. Right. Because it's literally feet away. Bentley is so scared. He's almost emotional. Poor boy. And Jax is just like. Like he didn't. It woke him up. It woke me up. Bentley said he couldn't sleep because he was hearing footsteps. He heard a door open and close and just all this other stuff. And he was like, you know, when you hear fingernails tapping, that easily could have been the ice maker. Right. You know, because they haven't lived here in a couple of years, not used to the noises again. So, you know, that one could be explained away. But I know Roy and I do hear footsteps on the stairs a lot where I think it's buddies. So I do this because that's how we greet each other. Right. Um, so that I can believe in the doors thing, because we've all heard that being here. So the boys came in the bedroom with me and Bentley requested a nightlight, which Bentley never requested nightlight and the door be closed. So that was, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised after the video of the box. Yeah. So I, yeah, and I really should post that to the group. You should. Yeah. I should. Um, I have sent it to a few people um, from the group. Well, like you've seen it. Um, both the other two moderators have seen it. And of course, Jenny has seen it. And they're all like. Right. So. That's my thought. Like the hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, yeah. I had a professional person tell me it was just the tape popping. Honestly, that was my first thought, but then I'm like, no. You know, if it wasn't for that little distortion you see like a split second before, I would totally say tape. So that was my first thought. And then I watched it a couple times. And I'm like, I don't think that was just tape. Mm-hmm. And again, taken on a brand new cell phone. Excellent camera. I mean... That's the camera on the cell phone. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's a shit camera. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah. No, thanks. I'll oh. stay here in my non-haunted house. <laughs> but that is also why I don't like being alone overnight. I, if, I, if I had to be, I would be probably taking sleeping pills. Um, normally, if I'm, like, I will even ask my son hey can one of your friends stay the night even though they're upstairs doing their own thing they're there right there's someone else in the house that's all i give a shit about right even if my son was home he would be upstairs mm-hmm. um but if i'm home by myself i'm in my room with the door closed and locked like that's gonna matter i've got netflix on and as soon as it stops, it'll wake me up and I'll start another one if I'm sleeping, which <laughs> I don't sleep when my husband's not home. So, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Nope. So, yeah. But I know we are a little pressed for time because I had some stupid phone calls to make today. And I decided <laughs> to sleep last night. You know what's bad about that is you're like, that's okay, we can do it in the morning. And then I was up for another two hours. Yeah. Couldn't oh, and see, and I, I was awake too. We probably should have just done this list. Yeah. And I just I didn't I didn't know I wasn't gonna be able to fall back asleep. I was, I was laying here just playing on my phone, and then Luna just decides to lay right here and I was out. Yeah. I woke up to my phone vibrating when you were texting me. Yeah, and <clears throat> I was awake till well after three because my son came downstairs and the fact that I was awake scared the shit out of him. And he he's a third shifter, so and he has Tuesdays off. So Tuesday is usually a lot of sleeping. And then Wednesday he's up and he does his, his shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. 
So he was like half dead, looked like a zombie. So fun. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this then. Yes. We can. Uh, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. So last week I did four killers from Michigan. This week I'm going to do another four killers from Michigan. The first one is Elias Abulazam. Um, He was born in central Israel and has Israeli citizenship. He grew up in a well-to-do Christian Arab family in the city of Ramla, Israel. He later moved to the United States, having acquired a green card. However, he's not an American citizen. Um, Until 2008, he worked at Piedmont Behavioral Center behavioral health center a psychiatric facility in leesburg virginia which is now called north spring behavioral health care he was a mental health technician then he worked as a clerk at kingwater market in beecher michigan from july 5th to august 1st 2010 most customers knew him as eli he was cited he was actually cited for giving alcohol to a minor um july 29th 2010 um which was the same day he stabbed a 59 year old man um his so let's get into the murders we'll just go with that and cut to the chase so may 24th 2010 31 well not all murders sorry 31 year old david Dwayne motley he was killed at about 6 a.m on what is it David Dwayne, it's funny because my brother is Dwayne David. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> um, he was killed at about 6 a.m. Um, over on Leith and Dexter, which I believe is east side of Flint. Um, he was stabbed repeatedly and died at the scene. So there's not a whole lot of like information for all of these. It's just kind of a bam, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, June 21st. 59-year-old Emmanuel Mohammed. He was um, found on Wood Street and Avenue B at about 2 a.m. It was where he was stabbed. Um, June 26th. Wow, I did really bad with these notes. Um, Blame Luna. I really do. She's very distracting. I don't have an age for the person but i know it was a black man just because most of his victims were of darker skin tone okay like two i think that were white and one was hispanic i think um it was over the 1900 block of pearson road at 5 30 in the morning then so from june 26th to july 19th the stabbings occurred about a week apart sometimes less yikes he he ramped up um, July 4th, a 20-year-old white male on the 900 block of Vermilia. I can't remember. I think, I don't know what part of Flint that is, but these are mostly all around Genesee County. Um, 20-year-old white male was stabbed. Now, not all of these victims died. They were just, you know, like, I believe only five people that he stabbed were killed. Don't quote me. Don't quote me. Um, July 12th, a 29-year-old black man over at Saginaw Maple Roads at 1.30 was stabbed. Um, July 19th, 49-year-old Richard Booker, um, was attacked at North Saginaw Road in Julia at 1.30 in the morning. A man standing next to a green blazer asked for help opening his hood. While Booker was trying to open the hood, Abulazam stabbed him in the kidney and liver. It took 68 staples to his back and stomach to close the wounds. He also had slash wounds on his arms from trying to keep Abulazam from cutting his neck and face. Oh, shit. Yes. Now, mind you, Abulazam is 6'4", like 6'2", or 6'4", somewhere in there, but like 230 pounds. Built like a brick shithouse. He's a big boy. Yeah. That was one of the nicknames given to him when he worked over in Beecher at the party store was Big Man, for obvious reasons. Which so, is why uh, you're a tall one. I am. I'm tall one. <laughs> um, uh, so that was July 19th. July 23rd, 21-year-old black man was attacked at the 100 block of University Avenue at 545 in the morning. 
On the 26th, just three days later, 43-year-old Darwin Marshall was attacked at the 800 block of Garland Street near West 5th Avenue at 1.25 in the morning. He died a while after being found. He was an Army veteran and a father of two adult daughters. His mother said that, I mean, he was a church-going man. He was, you know, loved to sing, sing in the choir. He was just a generally happy person. Um, the next day, July 27th, 26-year-old Antoine Marshall was attacked at Pearson Street and Fleming Road around, I think it was probably Pearson Road, not Pearson Street, but I'm just going with what I got off the information. Um, at 3 a.m., he was stabbed six times in his stomach and chest. He was heading into his apartment when Abu Lazam approached him asking for help with his vehicle. When he opened the hood, he was stabbed, sustaining injuries to three organs and a long scar from his chest to pelvic area. He survived, though. Um, the next day, July 28th, 19-year-old black man was attacked at Cook, on Cook Street at 3.30 in the morning. July 29th, 59-year-old black male attacked at Saginaw 12th Street around 6 a.m. That's not far from where we work. I was just going to say that's... Uh... Within a few miles. Yeah, within a few miles. Mm -hmm. So I, I read that. I'm like, okay, so that's like Saginaw Street and 12th. There's a party store and a Chinese restaurant, really good Chinese restaurant, Chinese takeout place. I'm like, ah, oh, that's right by downtown. I know where that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can say I, I don't know Flint well. I know how to get to work. Yep. And I know how to get around for the train. And I know that that is 12th oh, really? Street. Yep, sure is. So when you would normally turn on Fenton Road, instead of turn or no. Okay, so instead of turning on Fenton Road, you keep going, then that's Grand Traverse. If you go a little bit further up the hill, you go like past some um, apartment or no, it's before you get to the apartments. Yeah, before you get to the apartments, that's the next one to Saginaw Street. Yeah, that's, that's very close. Very close to work. And this was just in 2010. Um, so the next day, because he apparently was bored, July 30th, 60-year-old Frank Kellybrew was a GM retiree. He lived in the hometown in Motel on Miller Road. He'd been living there for just, a, I think, since September the prior year. Um, he used to go sit out like it's... In front of the motel out on Miller Road more is um, Italia Gardens. Okay. So, you know, when you get off the freeway, instead of going left to go towards work, you'd go right and it's right there on the mm -hmm. left hand side, right by IHOP. Okay. Excuse me. Um, so he, he used to go sit out there at night, you know, just to have quiet, you know, everything was shut down on Miller Road by that time of night and he would just relax. Well, he had um, left the motel to go walk across 75, I'm assuming probably over to Speedway, because it said the gas station party store, and I think that's the only thing there on the other side of 75. Yeah, that would be um, open at that time, yeah. Yeah. So he went to Speedway to get some groceries. Um, his body was found in front of Italia Gardens around 3.30 a.m. by a passerby with his groceries laying nearby. Um Oh, that same night, I'll say I thought I had more to that, but I really just wrote everything that I just said about the convenience store. Um, same day, a 28-year-old black male in an undisclo undisclosed location was found at 6 a.m. It was attacked at 6 a.m. So the same day, like just within a couple hours, you know. Jesus. Oh, but, but he skipped a day. The next one was August 1st, 17-year-old Etwan Wilson was attacked at Cloverlawn and Cloverlawn Drive in Basil Lane around 2.30 in the morning. And same day, 25-year-old black man was attacked in the 300 block of Bradley at 6.15 in the morning. I used to live off of Bradley. That's not far from work either. That's Corona Road. Actually, um, you know how you get off of 69 right there, uh, Hammerberg? Mm-hmm actually take a right instead of going left to head to work and you can take that down to miller road right there and bradley goes from miller road all the way down over to court street so any part of that right there i don't know what part the 300 block is because i was on the other side of corona road but yeah i know where that is 
Um, August 3rd, 49-year-old Arnold Miner. He was attacked over on Flint's north side. He was walking home from his mother's house and was less than a mile from his home when he was attacked. This was within the area of several of the other attacks. And his, his sister had offered him a ride home that night, but he had declined. Of the 16 attacks in Flint, only two were described as white men, and none of the victims were robbed. August 4th, 15-year-old Anthony Cage Jr. was jogging near his home in Leesburg, Virginia, around 9.30 p.m. A passing vehicle stopped. The driver got out and stabbed the teen. He felt the sting of being stabbed, and when he looked back, the assailant was running back to his vehicle. His kidney and liver had been stabbed, and after three hours of surgery, he survived. The next so, day, with, with not robbing, this is just for sport, then basically. Yes, he's he was just described as just an evil person. He wasn't crazy. He was he was just evil. And there wasn't a whole lot of information about it because the charges had been dropped. The person didn't want to press charges, but over in Israel. The year prior, he stabbed a friend of his. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, this isn't a new thing for him. Um, next day, August 5th, a man driving a green blazer was stopped in Arlington on a traffic violation <clears throat> and was being held for a short time on an old misdemeanor assault charge. Old misdemeanor assault arrest warrant. There we go. The blazer was impounded, and police found a knife and a hammer. This man was a, was a bulazam, but um, he posted bail, and his vehicle was returned to him. At the time of the arrest, they had no knowledge of his ties to the stabbing of Anthony Cage or what was going on in Michigan. That night, a 67-year-old Leesburg man was stabbed outside of his apartment. He lost a kidney, but he survived. August 6th, 19-year-old Leesburg man was hit in the head with a hammer after a man asked him to help with his vehicle. He, too, survived the attack. Luckily, it wasn't a direct hit, and he ran away before the attacker could continue. A nearby video surveillance camera caught a green blazer driving through a parking lot before the hammer attack occurred. Two of the Leesburg victims were Black, and one was a, was a Hispanic teenager. Each were, able, blah, 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 blah. Each were able to provide the police with a similar description of their attacker and his vehicle. These descriptions matched the ones that were given from the attacks in Flint. By then, though, Abulazam was nowhere to be found. August 7th, in Toledo, Ohio. 59-year-old Tony Leno, a church custodian, was taking a smoke break around 7.45 p.m., he told police a tall white man in a green blazer attacked him after being asked directions. He stabbed Leno twice in the abdomen. After that, a bulazam disappeared again. And in Michigan, two of the so two of the stabbings that they originally attributed to him, basically they took back. Um, one of the victims recanted a statement, and the other was determined to be during a robbery, which didn't fit the MO. <clears throat> so August 11th, a tip comes in just after midnight, which led investigators to the party store where Elias worked. He had been hired to work the night shift. He was nicknamed Big Man, but most people called him Eli. It was reported that he drove... Wow, I can't type. That was interesting. <laughs> Apparently he grove, not drove. Um, a green SUV matching the descriptions of the vehicle involved in the attacks. He also reportedly told the owner that... This was near the end of the attacks that were going on in Flint, that he needed to take time off for a trip to Virginia, where it was thought that he might be relocating. Investigators noted that the attacks in Leesburg started shortly after he left working at the party store. Um, less than 24 hours after receiving the tip about his employment, employment, investigators spoke to relatives and they tracked their suspect to Hartsfield Jackson Atlanta International Airport, where they found him late that evening. He was waiting at the boarding gate for a flight to Tel Aviv. He was paged over the intercom and was arrested without incident. 
On May 2nd, 2017, Abu Azam confessed to the 2009 murder of Chami Lane. This happened in Leesburg. And with that confession, he was granted immunity and was not charged for his murder. So, yeah, yeah. Since being incarcerated, Abu Azam has been disciplined for multiple violent interactions with guards and other inmates, including fights, threats, and possession of a large shank made from plexiglass. He's currently serving a life sentence um, without the possibility of parole in Ionia. That one was just, I remember that one, because that was, I mean, obviously not that long ago, and it was Close here. to home, yeah. Yeah, because the, the Saginaw Maple Road one is technically Burton, and I live in Burton. So, I mean, it's a lot closer to home. I mean, all of them are close to home because it's being in Michigan. Right. But, you know. Yeah, there's a difference between being close to home and in your backyard. Yes, absolutely. All right. Cut myself doing dishes yesterday and I took the band-aid off and I really regret doing that. Well, that's what you get for doing dishes. I know, for real. Man, you're not wrong. Now, I will say, I, I don't know what it is, if it's the dish soap or the fact that my wa- when I do dishes, the dishwater is like straight from hell hot. Oh, I can't do that. My um, polish has really lifted and that never happens. And I yeah. normally don't do dishes, but I did make a big mess in the kitchen and I wasn't going to leave that for Roy. So. Oh, no. <laughs> so I did the dishes and my nails were paying the price. And when I go see my nail girl on Friday, she's probably going to be pissed at me. Well, I mean, just tell her that, you know, you had to do dishes. I'm over here putting Neosport and a new Band-Aid on. So I don't know. Now I'm thinking about getting those um, dishwashing gloves with the... Oh, I love those. (laughs) That way, you know, know, I got cute. I've got one of those... uh, can't even remember the, the brand name of them, but like that little kit you made me, I bought another one because they were on clearance. I think they're really, yeah. And they're really nice to have in your backpack for work. Holly, that's what I have it for. Because this has um, Neosporin, Band-Aids, and Tiger Balm in it. Yep. I Hold it out of my work bag. Yep. I've got the one you gave me in my work bag, and then I've got another one. <laughs> Did I give you a full-size one or a little guy? I don't know. Like the same size that you just showed me. Okay. That's what I thought. I've I've got two of them. But now the Walmart that's closest to me, when I go in there, they got like one of them little end cap little Mm -hmm. display things of them. Well, they have one that's like a big one that's for like a family one. And I'm like, ooh, do I want to spend the $20? Not today. Yeah, not today. I've got, you know, the little ones and and those are nice. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Oh yeah, I love those. They're because I, I put so much shit in my backpack. I will smush a box. You know. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I gotta clean my backpack out like at least once a month. Listen, I haven't done anything with mine since I've been off work. I've got. Why would you? Fair. Um. Like when I. Because, okay, they, we used to have a trash can at every job. Yeah. And yeah. about a year ago now, they mm-hmm. took those all away. You got one in your break room, and there might be one somewhere on, the team leader desk. during the team or, like, within the team, and then the team leader desk. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm close to a trash can, but if the line's moving, I don't have time to run. So no. I will take, like, a gum wrapper and put it in the little front pocket or my um earplugs mm-hmm. oh yeah i do the same thing same yeah so the little front pocket is where Holy my shit. gum goes and it's a trash bag <laughs> yeah sounds about right yeah and i have bags i should just take some in and use them for shit. I'm trash. Just those little plastic like it looks like a cup but it's a little trash can from the dollar tree then you just drop it in there and just dump it on the way out yeah hmm. i don't know we'll see 
All right. Next one on the docket is John Norman Collins, the Ypsilanti Ripper slash co-ed killer. Oh, I did that one. I know, but I'm doing it too. Because he was the only other one on the list that I actually knew a little bit about. Um... Born June 17th, 1947. Um, most of his murders were from 1967 to 1969. So first one, July 1967. 19-year-old Mary Fletcher took an evening walk from her apartment near the Eastern Michigan University where she was a student. Mary was seen by a neighbor being catcalled by a young man who appeared to be trying to get her to take a ride. This kept going until she was out of out of view of the neighbor. Mary was never seen alive after that. Her body was found dumped a month later near LaForge and Getty's Roads. She was repeatedly stabbed in the chest. Officials say that the killer came back to her body about three times and then moved her body and further mutilated her each time. Now, see, I put the the names of the roads because I actually know these roads too, just from having to go down to Ann Arbor for the hospital and all my treatments and stuff. I'm like, yeah. I've been down Getty's Road before. <laughs> I know where that stuff's at. Um, I don't have a date, but in 1968, 20-year-old Joan Shell left her home to go a block down to the bus station. She missed the bus to Ann Arbor, so she was hitchhiking. Her friend saw her get into a car with three young men, but she was never seen again. Her body was found a few days later off of Earhart Road in Ann Arbor, which is now a... Um, a neighborhood they were actually building this neighborhood at the time but it wasn't you know no homes or anything yet um she was stabbed 25 times um or she had 25 stab wounds when she was found um march 1969 16 year old marilyn skelton was dropped off at the arborland mall by her brother she was trying to get to her boyfriend's crash pad in ypsilanti he was a drummer in a band. She called one of his bandmates for a ride, but he didn't have a car, so he couldn't come get her. He may have been the last person to speak to her. After she had been killed, her body was dumped outside Ipsy. It said she was the most brutally murdered. She was found with a larger tree branch shoved inside her vagina. No thanks. Um, The next month, April 1969, the youngest victim was just in eighth grade. 13-year-old Dawn Basom was last seen walking alone along the railroad tracks, taking a shortcut home. She never made it home. She was only a few hundred yards from her home when she went missing. The next morning, her body was found at Freeland and Gale Roads. He took her to an abandoned house on LaForge Road where he killed her in the basement. They said that they had found um like glass shards in her elbow and arms and stuff where she was able to break a window and get out, but then was still obviously, you know. Um, June 1969, 22-year-old U of M student Alice Calum was going to a party at the depot house. Witnesses saw her leaving the club on the back of a motorcycle. That was the last she was seen. Her body was found on Territorial Road, and the officer said that her neck was slit from ear to ear. Weeks later, on July 13th, over 2,000 miles away in Salinas, California, Roxy Phillips was cut off by a shiny cutlass. The car stood out because it had a Michigan license plate. It also stood out because um, when it peeled out and sped away, almost hit another driver. This driver, you know, could visually see who was in the passenger seat and stuff and gave a description of the girl. Um, She had like a floral dress on and stuff. Um, When Roxy was found, she had been beaten and strangled with the belts of her floral dress. That's how they were, you know, they knew that who it was in that, you know, situation. Yeah. She was dumped in a poison oak patch in Pescadero Canyon outside of Salinas. Also saw later in the um, video I watched that uh, before leaving California, Collins was um, treated for poison oak by a doctor in California before he left. It's like, hmm, there's your karma. Right. Because that well, ain't not even close to karma. But... No, not, not really karma, but 
I heard poison oak sucks. I wouldn't know. I've never gotten it. Knock on wood. It sucks. That's what I've heard. My it stepdad sucks. got it. Got either poison oak or poison ivy real bad. And I mean, like he had it on his hands. His eyes were swollen up, but he was still going to try to go to work. The only reason he went to the doctor is because his uh, yeah. You know, yeah, I got it very bad when we were on vacation in Virginia when I was like in sixth grade and driving home from Roanoke, Virginia to Michigan was mm. not a good time. No, I bet not. I don't even think calamine would work for that. I, oh, it was a nightmare. It was a fucking nightmare. That sounds horrible. Just 10 days later, on July 23rd, an Eastern Michigan University freshman, 18-year-old Karen Sue Bynaman, came into a wig shop in downtown Ipsy and said, I've done two things I'd never thought I'd do. First, buy a wig, and second, I accepted a ride on from a stranger on a motorcycle. The owner of the shop didn't like how that sounded, so she and her assistant stepped outside to take a look and saw a clean-cut man on a shiny motorcycle. The chocolate shop owner next door had noticed the bike as well and saw a young girl come out of the wig shop and get on the bike with him. Karen Bynaman had never been, a see- been seen alive after that. She was found on July 25th off Riverside Drive. She had been tortured before her death. She'd been strangled and her underwear was inserted inside her vagina. There were blonde hair clippings inside her underwear. Now, when I was reading this one and watching the stuff, I did not remember it until that part. Like, none of it clicked to me until that part. Yeah, no, because the first victim, Mm -hmm. when she was at the funeral home, he had went in there and he wanted to see and take pictures, but he had no camera equipment. See, none of that popped up in the stuff I was watching. That's probably why none of this clicked to me. Yeah, that was, yeah. I know you definitely did, like, a more in-depth one. Two parts, yeah. It obviously way more in depth. I'm just kind of just the other ones. I couldn't really find a whole lot of information. Like some uh, of the other killers I found. Yeah. Now the one, I think it was Marilyn, the 16 year old. Yep. Like the backstory of that one, mm-hmm. which I didn't get into depth on that, but it is crazy. Like her parents, like they didn't report her missing or anything. Mm. Yeah, see, the, the video, I'm going to have to watch another video on it, too, like an actual documentary on it, because there's um they interviewed a guy who actually wrote a book about it, because he was a student at the time, and he knew these people, yeah. like, quite a few. I, I have, I got the book for Kindle. Um, yeah, it's called The Michigan, stop, the one I've got is The Michigan Murders, by Edward Keys. I think that might have been him. But yeah, no, I I know I'm not doing this story justice, but we're just gonna keep rolling with it. I love how he got caught though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's where I'm I'm about to be there. I love um, how he got caught. Yep. There like I said, blonde hairs in her underwear. The week that Vitamin was murdered, state trooper Corporal Le- Corporal Like you want to say leak because the way it's spelled corporal like was gone out of town and had his nephew watch his home for him before he left he cut his kid's hair in the basement those boys had very blonde hair that's what tied collins to the murder of karen bynaman july 21st or july 31st 1969 collins was arrested i'd like i I didn't go into a whole lot of you know in depth they said that he denied even knowing these girls he didn't do this he didn't do that but there was a um campus police officer who was also a senior there who knew him in passing like they were they went to different frats so they you know interacted a lot when he heard about the stuff like heard about the bolo he started going and asking questions from people he got a picture he put together a lineup and then you know had all these all this information and took it to the police too um, but it says he was sentenced to life and is currently incarcerated at Marquette Branch Prison. Yep, because I be- if I'm not mistaken, it was like the uncle and his wife that like 
pushed for this mm-hmm. because like they said that the uncle um he had like swept all of the hair up into a pile to take care of when they got home when he got home it was all over the basement like what the hell happened down here yeah like thing mm-hmm. yeah i that's when that part came up i'm like oh i remember this guy now like none of it clicked until that part because i remember that part of the story yeah he's definitely a fucking garbage human oh absolutely absolutely Okay, next one. Leslie and Leslie Allen Williams. Have you heard of him? It sounds familiar. This one I didn't recognize at all. Not even to the end. Um, he was born July 4th, 1953 in Detroit. His mother was a very negligent mother and was arrested for prostitution outside of her home. Her husband used to watch from the closet. Yeah, he, he used to watch her, you know, that was their thing. He was also arrested and put into a mental, mental institution for molesting his two stepdaughters. Yeah. While Leslie's father was instituted, his mother packed up and moved the kids to California. Like, yeah, you know, get you a new life. Do what you got to do, you know. Once he was released, the couple stayed together for about a year, but ultimately divorced in 1961. Yeah. But don't worry, it gets better. In 1962, his mother remarried James Adams. He ended up being an abusive drunk who beat her and the children, and he ended up killing Leslie's mother before he killed himself. After his mother's death, Leslie and his brother Lyle Jr. moved back to Milford, Michigan to live with their maternal grandparents. So in 1970, at the age of 17, Leslie was busted breaking into a home in his neighborhood, but only had to do probation. They didn't say if he, you know, stole anything or just broke in for the hell of it. But he would spend the next 12 years ramping up the intensity of his crimes. September of 1983, Williams broke into the home of a woman and threatened her with a screwdriver to her throat. For some reason, he changed his mind on what he was doing and left. She called the cops, of course, and he was caught and charged with kidnapping with intent to rape. He was also classified as a habitual offender, obviously. So with, like, Michigan's law with habitual offenders, you get, like, a separate charge just for that, which I didn't know that until I, you know, was listening to this podcast, um he was sentenced to five to ten years for the kidnapping slash rape and seven to thirty years for being a habitual offender but they had him serve them concurrently instead of consecutively he was let out seven years later so while on parole he was released in 1990 august 11th 1991 nine-year-old miriam from wixom was attacked by Williams. There's really not a whole lot of information about her, maybe because of her age. Like the podcast I was listening to, they couldn't find it. And I even went looking. I couldn't really find anything. Like a lot of the stuff I found didn't even give her name. For, I mean, obvious reasons. She was right. nine years old, for God's sakes. But he attacked a nine-year-old. Um, the next month, on the 14th, 18-year-old Cami Villanueva was attacked in her home in South Lyon, Michigan. Williams had been peeking in her window for a while and one night decided to go in. Her front door was left unlocked. She was raped and murdered, then buried in a shallow grave. Williams had been casing homes in Tyrone Township when he spotted sisters 16-year-old Michelle and 14-year-old Melissa Urban. He said he really liked the way Melissa walked. 14 years old, you sick fuck. He came back about eight times stalking them before he attacked. Williams put them in the car, raped and killed them, then drove to a secluded area where he dug shallow graves. Before burying them, he raped their dead bodies. He would later say that he made the girls sit on a blanket and talk with him before he raped and killed them. He said, I quote, They were nice girls. They didn't deserve to die. But I was so weak and was afraid to go back to prison for raping them. 
close your fucking eyes, walk away, and do something. Like, right, buy a magazine and or go pay for it, bro. Like, Jesus. Mm. Or I don't know, decide to be a decent human man, decent human being, and find a girlfriend. Yeah, concepts. I know. Um, January fourth, nineteen ninety-two. 15-year-old Cynthia Marie Jones from Milford was raped and murdered and, again, buried in a shallow grave. Um, May 24th of 92. 35-year-old Carla Walters was in Springfield Township Cemetery putting flowers on her mother's grave when Williams attacked her. In the middle of the day, mind you. Middle of the day. Yeah. He beat her and drug her behind a bush and raped her. Witnesses went and found a phone because cell phones weren't necessarily a huge thing yet. Um, and called police. He drug when, her. When was this? 92. So, I mean, you had like the little Nokia's, you know, that you could play Snake on, but that was if they even had those out yet, they might have still been the big ass things. I don't know. Yeah. So, I was only four. So, I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember being like 10 and having the little Nokia that you could change the faceplate on. I'm like, ooh, pink. Um, so da, da, da. he drug her to his car and put her in the trunk. He was Williams was pulled over and Carla was found in his trunk, tied up with a plastic tie around her neck, and it was choking her. He was taken into conf- into custody and confessed to the four murders. He denied being involved with any other crimes. But he had several acquaintances and even an ex-girlfriend call in tips, which led to finding the body of Cami Villanueva in Midland. He dumped her in Midland. Once Williams realized he was busted, he did lead authorities to the bodies of the other victims and admitted to 11 sexual assaults and other crimes since he was paroled. Since he was paroled in two years. In the span of two years. Williams kept a scorecard and photos of his victims. Like, I'm not putting notches on my bedpost. I'm going to keep a scorecard. Get the fuck out of here. Um, along with little trinkets from each victim. And mind you, most of his victims were younger. So kids just pick up random shit and they're like, ooh, and put it in their pocket. Yeah, shiny rock. or So he kept trink. Yeah, yeah. The innocence of it and he just fucked it all up. Um, using a backhoe, police found the Urban Sisters under several feet of dirt at the edge of Oakwood Cemetery in Fenton. The two girls were touching each other in the grave and had been covered with a blanket. One was naked, one was clothed. Jones's body was found near Buno and Old Plank Roads in Milford Township in a grave about four feet deep. And the body of Villanueva was found in a field near Charms and Buno Roads in Milford Township about two miles east of where Jones's body was found. She had been strangled manually. Williams was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, and he is incarcerated at Carson City Correctional Facility. All right. My last one. Have you ever heard of Shelly Andre Brooks? I don't think so. Okay, now his his were early 2000 murders as well, like from 2001 to 2006. Um, he, he Shelley Andre Book Brooks was born January 22nd, 1969, in Detroit. His mom was a drug addict and sex worker. When she was when he was 14, he was left in the care of his grandmother, so his mom could just you know go live her best life. Um, he dropped out of school when he was in the 11th grade. And he served 60 days in jail, 60 days in jail for carrying a gun. After being released, he was homeless. He couldn't hold a job because he couldn't get along with his coworkers. He enjoyed being homeless. Like he was perfectly okay being homeless. I know people like my that at work. I know, right? <laughs> I don't get along with many of my coworkers either, but no way I fake getting along with them. So there wasn't a whole lot of, I mean, information aside from the fact that he enjoyed being homeless. Um, I mean, I didn't really deep dive him. I just went off of one of the podcasts that I had listened to, watched on YouTube. Um, 
but yeah, he, he had no problem being homeless. He, he just didn't get along with people. So that's why he couldn't hold a job. Um, so his first murder was August 31st, 2001, 53-year-old San- Sandra Davis was found in an abandoned apartment building at 9700 St. Paul. She had agreed to trade sex for money, and he got mad when she refused to give him the money back. He struck her in the head when she tried to leave and drug her into a closet where her body was later found. So mind you, this was in August. January 22nd, 2002, Pamela Greer was found in the same apartments as Sandra. A man was cleaning asbestos when her body was found. The only reason he found her is there was a stray dog in there eating her leg. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that one. She was also beaten to death. April 14th. 36-year-old Marion Woods Daniels was found at 4804 Crane. She was killed by being hit with a brick to her head and was found in an alley. She was also beaten for refusing to give money back. Like, how are you just going to ask for a refund? Like, that's not how this works. You can't give the good back. to customer service. I don't... <laughs> fuck up (laughs) i just i don't understand i really don't understand um april 22nd 45 year old rhonda miles was found in an abandoned building at 1382 manistique she was beaten to death with a broken chair leg brooks dna was found on the chair leg along with his fingerprints but he wasn't in the system yet May 2002, the police ticketed Brooks for entering a building without permission, but just a ticket, no arrest, of course. Um, November 5th, 2002, 30-year-old Thelma Johnson was found by a person walking down Mac and Holcomb. Brooks told police he hit her a couple of times. Yes, enough to kill her, but only a couple of times. In 2003, Brooks was taken in, you know, by the police for drunken incidents. They never fingerprinted him or anything because it was just a drunk tank. He wasn't actually arrested. After that, he probably figured, oh, you know, they're going to catch on to me. So he took three years off and held a job and lived with a girlfriend. Yeah. That must have been boring for him. For real. Because, like I said, three years later, he hopped right back to it. Must have broke up or something. Something changed. Um, October 13th, 2005, 30-year-old Melissa Tostin was found in a vacant garage on Chalmers and Flanders. She was found about four days after she was murdered. Brooks hit her in the head with a cement block, but he cut his hand on the block. He then searched through her purse, which left more of his DNA behind. They still didn't catch him after that. Still wasn't in the system. Soon after, they didn't have a date, um... An unidentified woman, who is still unidentified to this day, um, was found at 2646 Harding, which was only about a thousand feet from his grandmother's home where he grew up. A thousand feet from where he grew up is where he did that. He again wanted his money back and choked and beat her to death. Like, that's really not how that works, sir. Uh, June 26, 2006. I had just graduated. He's he's like the original Karen. I'm going to call corporate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Shut up. You're not wrong though. He's a Kyle. He's not a Karen. He's a Kyle. Definitely. (laughs) So June 26, 2006 at Hickory and Lyndhurst. A 45-year-old woman survived the rape and beating from Brooks. After being beaten and left for dead, she recovered from being in a coma and was able to tell the police a tall homeless man named E did it. The police asked around and Shelly Andre Brooks was arrested. After being fingerprinted, Brooks was tied to the other murders. 
March 7, 2007, Shelly Andre Brooks was found guilty of first-degree murder in the 2002 murder of 33-year-old Pamela Greer. In Michigan, the charge carries an automatic sentence of life without the possibility of parole. He is currently incarcerated at G. Robert Cotton Correctional Facility in Jackson County, Michigan. And that's it. Ooh. I tried to keep them short and sweet, but I had to leave in, you know, a little bit of detail. Yeah, you gotta have some detail, otherwise it's like... It's like, so we're just doing lists here? Yeah. Lists on lists on lists? Yeah. Like I said, I feel really bad because I really wanted to do a haunted location. And as I started doing the haunted locations, Mm -hmm. I was like, no, the, the true crime aspect. Now, there has also been a book and a movie about it. Okay. Um... And I got the book. I'm not using it as a reference. I just, I've seen the movie. I love the movie. I don't want to say. Um, now, the author of the book admitted that, you know, like for entertainment's sake, he embellished and oh, yeah. and switched around some timelines kind of thing. Um, but <coughs> the hauntings are kind of based on the true crime of it. And yeah. So, right. so you kind of have to do it hand in hand together. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Because the hauntings, yeah, there's some, but they're just, you see this, you see this, you hear this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just figured out. Kind of have to have the true crime part of it. Yeah. Okay. So, it turned into a lot longer than what I had really hoped for. <laughs> but, it'll it'll be good. I'm excited. I look forward to it. Yeah. And I'm like... 99.99% certain that Jenny will be back next week. Okay. So. Well, good. Um, I'm going to double check. I Maybe it'd be kind of cool to have all three of us for next okay. week. We'll see how that works. Yeah. Um, Let me know. But yeah, that's, that's the plan. So. Uh, yeah. So, but I have, to, now I'm not dressed for work but I'm almost ready for work. Um, So on that note, we will thank you so much, so much for, you know, the last two weeks, you've really carried the episode. Um, I was trying, but I forgot like how to actually do notes and stuff. I haven't done that since school. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to lie. That is for me, the hardest part of doing the podcast is making my ass sit down and do the notes mm-hmm. definitely so yeah I that that's the hardest part and then sometimes like I'll write in my notes see website and then and then I just get lazy and so yes if I was writing them I would have totally not did them properly so I'm like I'm just gonna watch the I have like my screen split so I've got my word over here and then I'll have YouTube over here and I'll just hit pause and type pause type yeah yeah I was doing that um when I first got the laptop and then typing and then when we started doing the video it was actually a little easier to just do the zoom and then use either my phone or handwritten notes and yeah I have my screen split right now you're on the left side my word is on the right side yeah handwritten notes for me one after a while my hands get tired and they get sloppy and then I'm like what the fuck did I write yep that's why I typed (laughs) yeah I I gotta figure out a better way to do it like I don't know maybe I can do the split screen or I don't know something but but again thank you so much um 
So I guess on that note, we will call it a day. Have fun at work. I'll be back next week. Not impressed. It's so fun there right now. I bet. They've expanded the nerve center. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. And now there's vending machines, like, you know, where we walk in and like we come in that door, like further down Mm -hmm. and then you walk, well, that door that's right outside they're right by the smoker's hut. There's vending machines there now. Yeah. Because they had to move them from over by the bathrooms because yeah, it's just, it's so fun now. Oh, I'm not looking forward to this. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, you guys have a good day and a good week. Yep. Bye. Bye.